You're listening to episode 18 of the Lee Side Lives podcast. My guest this time around is writer and poet Matthew Geeden. Matthew is originally from Coventry, but has been living in Kinsale for the past 30 years. He is the current writer in residence for Cork County Libraries and Arts Service. Let's talk about life before you decided to move to Cork back in 1990. When did your love of writing of poetry begin, Matthew? Thank you, Jordan. Good to be here. Well, I mean, I, I, I was always a reader, I guess. I, I read from a very young age, uh, mostly, you know, like obviously the usual stuff, fiction and, um, you know, other the bits and pieces like the Greek myths and legends. I remember having a book of that when I was a kid, an illustrated book, and uh, I loved that. I was fascinated by some of the stories there. But I kind of drifted away from writing a bit in my team age years as you tend to do you start to discover other things um but then about age about 18 or 19 uh, i was at a friend's house and i remember borrowing a novel i hadn't been reading much for years and i borrowed uh, dostoevsky's crime and punishment a real heavyweight to start me off <laughs> and uh, for some reason it, i just absolutely loved it and so i got back into the literature around that age and i started to devour everything and anything and um, it was then I guess that I started to read poetry properly I mean I'd read it before but around that age I started to discover writers like uh, Sylvia Plath and uh, Ted Hughes um, Yeats of course and Kavanaugh it being other examples and Walt Whitman Allen Ginsberg and just from there it kind of just grew and grew and uh yeah so so really from that from from those days really i was uh hooked and was it your love of writing which took you to cork 30 years ago matthew yeah certainly that was definitely a big element in it um at the time i'd been kind of i'd gone through teach training college and hadn't really had really decided it wasn't for me at, the t- at that moment. Uh, it was primary school teaching and much as I enjoyed being with the kids, I didn't feel the actual teaching was, uh, was quite what I wanted at the time. So I guess I was in a, a kind of, uh, I'd been a, a space where I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to write, but equally I knew it wasn't so easy to make a living. But I thought... Uh, certainly myself and my partner, we'd visited Ireland before and, and loved it. And uh, I also loved the Irish literary tradition. I'd read, uh, I remember working in a school in London, um, in Haringey, and one of the teachers there was Irish. And on, when I left, she gave me a copy of Brendan Behan's Complete Plays. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that was, a, that, that really pushed me along in my love of Irish literature I suppose so when I came so one one of the reasons for moving here was that I had this idea that I would be able to spend more time writing and and it's certainly true that in Ireland as a poet or or writer I think that I think you're respected much more than you are in England and it in England although obviously there's a huge literary tradition there too um it's not quite as widespread in some ways, like in Ireland, uh, you know, like everyone I know is either a poet or a recovering poet, you know. It's like there's so many writers here, um, it, you know, every every pub you go to, you can meet somebody who's written a poem or a song. And it's just that, that 
much stronger tradition, I think, that, that really drew me here. And I, I thought this was a place I would like to, to sort of develop my writing. And uh, so it's proved, actually. That's very interesting. And Kinsale is your home nowadays, I believe. What a magnificent place to live in. It seems, I, I mean, it is, it's a writer's or a poet's paradise, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we really fell on our feet here. We'd been to Kinsale before and, and really liked it. Reminded me very much of towns I'd visited in Cornwall in England. Um, you know, it's got the same little windy streets and the little fishing harbour and, uh, you know, a little bit, a few tourists as well. When we moved over in 1990, it was just a few weeks after Italia 90. And uh, there was still a great buzz around in the country and, and, and particularly in Kinsale. Um, you know, the pubs were really lively and packed and it was just a, a great atmosphere. And also Kinsale does have a bit of a literary history too. And when, when we moved, we just missed out on a period in the 80s where there'd been some very interesting writers living in the town, um, Derek Mahan, uh, the poet, who, who's since returned. But uh, in, by 1990, he had moved away. But uh, we heard all these stories about uh, him and uh, Aidan Higgins and Stan Gebler Davis, the journalist. And several of these writers had been uh, sort of write, had written about Kinsale and the great times they'd had there. And in fact, when I was in England, there was a Stan Gebler Davis had a, a regular column in the uh, in England. I think it was in the Independent uh, newspaper um, called Kinsale Diary, and it was full of stories of characters of the town and goings on and uh, local gossip. And it, it it really hooked me before I even came here. So, but a lot of that had finished by 1990. Uh, having said that, you know, as I say, there are still writers living in the town and around the town. And even before that, people like uh, Elizabeth Bowen and Molly Keane used to come down to Kinsale uh, and take tea in Acton's Hotel. And so it's always had a little bit of a, a writerly tradition. And of, of course, now it has um, festivals too. So, um, uh, yeah, so it, it, it's a great place for a writer and uh, you're, you're very close to Cork City. So you've got that down the road and you've got West Cork in the other direction and, uh, uh, you know, plenty of good restaurants and pubs too. So you can't go too far wrong. That's that's true. It's a magnificent part of the world when you go to Kinsale and go west. Some terrific spots there, some real beauty and a lot of great bookshops and craft shops as well, Matthew. And I'm pretty sure you did own and run a bookstore there at one stage? Yeah, that's right. Um, initially, I got into bookselling um, at UCC. I was working for Waterstones and they had a, um, a shop down in the Bull basement there. And I worked there for a while. And then an opportunity came up um, to uh, take over as manager of Kinsale Bookshop. Um, and it was uh, no brain really for me it meant you know obviously I was living in the town and it was a real chance to sort of put my own stamp on uh on the bookshop and so naturally I sort of uh brought in a lot of poetry books and local books and it, it was a real uh, positive time actually and we were the only bookshop in the town at the time so that was that that was good and the, the tourist industry was really developing so we had 
with a lot of um, visitors coming in and I set up some readings there and book launches and we for a while we had a monthly reading uh, where which was an open mic and anyone could come and we had all sorts of people like um, like Derek Mahon, Desmond O'Grady, you know, established names. But we also had just local people who would come and read a poem they'd written earlier that day or something. So there was a lovely mix. And at one point we had uh, students from the local college, uh, from the drama course there, uh, come down and uh, they would participate too. I remember one guy uh, who was very interested in the, the old art of storytelling. So every month he would he would tell a story uh, in the old-fashioned Shanakee way and it was just wonderful, you know. We had some really terrific evenings down there. Um, so yeah, I ran Kinsale Bookshop for a number of years and then I also opened a bookshop in Bandon. Both, both shops are still going actually but I'm kind of now sort of focusing on my own writing at the moment. It must be a really wonderful environment to work in uh, a bookshop in that part of the country. Yeah absolutely I mean I think the most apart from doing all the readings and being in touch with writers etc I think that the thing I enjoyed most was the, the conversations you'd have with customers. Um, you know, it, it's very different from when I was in England, I worked in a supermarket. And of course, you know, there's only so many conversations you can have about baked beans. Um, but but with, with books, um, you can get into some amazing uh, um, insights and tips and, uh, uh, you know, like, you never know who would turn up. I remember, you know, being in there one day and Ryan Tubridy walked in and we had a lovely chat about books and he was actually very knowledgeable um really knowledgeable and he recommended a book to me uh, a book called Engelby by Sebastian Folks and uh, so I read that really enjoyed that and that was all down to him and it, it was it was a bit like that in those days people would just appear and come in and have a chat and it was uh, the thing about working in a bookshop is um the people who come in are interested in books People who aren't interested in books don't come into a bookshop. Um, so you'd, you'd find some really, you'd end up having some really fascinating conversations and uh, meeting some really unusual and interesting people. No, it sounds brilliant. And as you say, it's, uh, it's kind of more than just a job, I think, when you're working in that environment and you're, you're talking to people about your passion as well as your, your job. Uh, it's it's evident, I think, that Kinsale, West Cork, County Cork has inspired a lot of your writing because I did read uh, uh, Kinsale poems over the weekend, actually. It's a wonderful collection. Ghost Story is probably my my favourite one. But when was the, I guess, your, your breakthrough as a writer, as a poet, Matthew, which led to your, your first publication? Yeah, I, I think, actually, that the first poem I really had any success with uh, it was quite early on, actually, was um, a poem called The Swimming Spire, which was written um, about walking through Cork down on Sullivan's Quay and seeing that the church there reflected in the water and how it broke up in, in sort of fragments. And uh, that poem uh, was a runner-up in a competition run by... Uh, Cork Women's Poetry Circle, actually, who were based uh, just off McCurtain Street many years ago. Um, And they also uh, eventually published my first collection. Uh, They had a publishing 
company um, called Bradshaw Books through Maura Bradshaw, who's a poet and publisher. And uh, so really that was the, the first break, that particular poem. Um, it was my first real publication. And as I say, it led on to my first full collection, which was called uh, Swimming to Albania and published, as I say, by Bradshaw Books. So, yeah, and then the Kinsale poems was something that developed. And I, I had in mind um, a collection by a, a poet who's a, who was a friend of mine at the time, Desmond O'Grady, who was a widely travelled poet um he's since passed away but he was a wonderful character and he had a little collection called an alexandrian notebook about his um time spent in alexandria in egypt and i loved that little chat book and i always wanted to do something similar so that's really where kinsale came about i thought well here am i um a visitor sort of a blow-in uh, to Kinsale and uh, you know this is my ch chance to do my version of that and so I really took on board the history of the town so that little collection that you, you mentioned has got sort of various references from John Tulia's History of Kinsale which is a, a, a great little book uh, full of interesting information about the town and so I used some of that and I used my own experiences, obviously, and some of it's made up to, um, you know, uh, but it all uh, I, uh, packed to, together in that little collection, which was published by uh, Lapwing Press up in Belfast. I've had writers such as Danny Denton and Ty Coakley on the podcast over the last couple of months and uh, it was interesting to hear about their writing routines. I think they're both early morning writers anyway. Is it the same for you, Matthew? Are you up early uh, writing each morning? Um, I'm not, actually. I, I think poets tend to, tend to write a little bit differently, or I do anyway. I tend to be um, less, I, I suppose, less... Um, organized i guess you could say i tend to write when i get the chance i'm, I'm always um impressed by people who manage to get up early and write i i tend to, if i do get up early i tend to go for a run uh that would clear my head that would be my my, my and I, I probably would start writing after breakfast then so i'd have my run have breakfast and then i might do some writing but you know my writing routine isn't as rigid as some people the, the friend I mentioned, Desmond O'Grady, he was one for always being at his desk by nine o'clock in the morning and like working, you know, he, he would force himself to stay there all morning, even if he couldn't think of anything to write. You know, he would just force himself to do it until eventually a sentence would come or a, a phrase would come or a title or something. I'm afraid I'm not as um, organised as that. I, I prefer to sort of wait for the right moments. I'm always scribbling notes and ideas. So, so when I do sit down at the desk, I have something to work on. Earlier in the year, actually, I was uh, lucky enough to have a residency up in Mayo on Ackill Island at the Heinrich Boll Cottage. And I had a two-week resi writer's residency there. And that time I really did sit down to a routine and I have to say it did work I got, I got a lot done I got a lot of new poems um, worked on while I was up there and and I did actually I, I did work you know I'd get up in the morning and I'd go for my run and then I'd sit down till lunchtime and write uh, uh, a bit more in the afternoon and then I did some translating in the evening so yeah I mean it does work for me 
but I find that two weeks, I found that two weeks was probably enough. You know, I got enough done in that two weeks and I was exhausted at the end of it because I'm not used to that kind of working. But um, also I'm kind of juggling other things like teaching as well and, um, you know, uh, workshops and things. So it, it, it's all a, a bit of a balancing act, to be honest, Jordan. I see. And speaking of which, how are you finding the role of writer and residence it's been a strange year obviously but um i'm fortunate enough to be on one of the uh, pros uh, collective groups and it's it's absolutely fantastic i really enjoy it i'm really benefiting from it but how are you finding it all matthew yeah i mean it, i agree it's been very strange and it's not at all how i hoped it, it would be in many ways and in other ways it's better than i hoped it would be so what happened was i mean i i got the role um I got the letter saying that I'd been successful in my application to be writer in residence literally the first day of the lockdown. So it was a, a rather bizarre way to start the lockdown. And obviously, initially, I wasn't sure. I mean, I got the letter saying I'd got it. So I knew I, knew I had it. But then I wasn't sure what I'd be able to do, really, because obviously suddenly every, everything had stopped. But having talked to... Uh, the representatives at Cork County Council, Ian McDonough, the arts officer and others, we decided that, you know, the best way forward was to was to move the workshops from the libraries, which is what we would usually do, uh, onto online. And in many ways, this was this turned out to be a great move because it meant that we could we could draw in people from all over the county. Um, whereas Obviously, if you're doing a workshop, say, in McCroom Library, you're not going to get people traveling from, you know, like all over the county for that. Um, so it enables people to join in the workshops wherever they live. And, uh, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed them, actually. And um, the pros one at the moment, um, yeah, it, there's some real talent out there. And it's so nice to to see that and to see that people are writing away, you know, despite what everything that we're going through at the moment with the pandemic, etc. These are difficult times. And I think, I think writing is, is a lovely distraction uh, and also a way of dealing with some of the problems and some of the consequences of the situation we're in. Yes, absolutely. I think more and more people are tapping into their inner creativity this year, given uh, what has happened. I know you've released another collection of poems this year. Would you like to, to read a poem from your latest collection or indeed any collection? We leave it up to you. Sure. OK, Jordan. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so last year I was uh, lucky enough to to get a residency for a month in Nanjing in China. Um, this was obviously before all the the, the problems started um, with the coronavirus. Uh, so I spent a fabulous month out in, in Nanjing uh, where I was the, the sort of writer in residence, uh, attending festivals and meeting people, uh, other writers, and uh, had a wonderful time. And there was another writer out there, a Spanish writer called Munir Hachimi, and the two of us were uh, sort of spent a lot of time together that were walking the back streets of Nanjing, and then in the last few days, we traveled to Beijing for a few days to look around. This particular poem, which is in the collection you mentioned, Fruit, uh, this particular poem uh, arose out of 
those few days in in Beijing where with my Spanish friend, he was trying to teach me about um, flamenco music and uh, something he's a bit of an expert in. Um, so he was trying to sort of tell me all about it. Um, around the same time, it was my it was actually my birthday uh, back at the end of November. Uh, there was a snowstorm outside in Beijing, and we were we we spent time in this hostel called the Happy Dragon, with the heating on full, because obviously my Spanish friend was not used to to the cold uh, coming from Andalusia, and uh, this poem really developed out of that. So I'll read this one. It's called Flamenco. Flamenco. I step out of my birthday and into confetti. A snowstorm mutely shakes down the skies, a furious snow globe roused by the happy dragon, the chill of minus seven, and footprints disappear down blind hutong. I grope through swirling streets, return with piju, peanuts, and frozen eyelashes. Stepping back from the cold, I open the door into Andalusia. It is 28 degrees, and Enrico Moriente is teaching me flamenco, a gift, you say, to walk two worlds at once. That was my time in, in Beijing, which was, uh, as, you, as you can see, quite contrasting between the minus seven outside and the 28 degrees inside. Definitely. That's a lovely piece, Matthew. I enjoyed that. Thank you very much for, for reading it. And again, it's evident that you're inspired by the world around you, what's going on in your in your life at a particular time. Do you think that short story writers, aspiring novelists can learn uh, and improve their writing from reading poetry? I do. I, I, I think poets um, have a particular eye, eye for a detail or a moment or a, a, an inspiration, um, which, which is always helpful to any writer, I think. Um, for me, I find that uh, my writing is mostly inspired. As, I mean, as you say, it's a lot inspired by my experiences, but it's also inspired by the things I'm reading. Um, I, f I find that if I get stuck in a rut with writing, I turn to other people's writing. I learn from other writers. I read, you know, like, say, Kevin Barry, for instance, or, um, you know, Paula Meehan or Ivan Boland or Derek Mahan. I find these writers, you know, inspire me in my own work. And sometimes a word or a phrase is all I need. Um, so, yeah, I think I think any writer should be reading as much as they can and not just um not just the genre that they're interested in but as widely as possible i mean poetry is such a wonderful way of experiencing the world i think um and you know i'm often surprised that it's not more popular than it is because it's an ideal form for the modern world it's it's still more or less instant you can read a poem in a minute or two um, but you can think about it when you've got the spare time. You can sit back and contemplate it and go back to it and reread re it and understand it in a different way. You know, in our modern world where we don't always get time to read a thousand page novel, we can easily find the time to read uh, a sonnet or a haiku or some other form of poem. So, yeah, I, I think we should all be reading as much as possible. And I've recently 
rediscovered uh, how enjoyable poetry can be because uh, I started reading uh, some collections recently, particularly I suppose when I discovered that our, our writer in residence at our Cork Prose Collective was a poet. I, I wanted to read some of your work and, and poems and I've uh, remembered how much I enjoyed it during the school days, the likes of Yeats, Boland, Longley, Kavanagh, as we say, there's some, there are some great poems uh, out there. So I, as a writer, as a former bookshop um, owner, uh, manager, you've worked as an editor as well, I think, Matthew. What advice would you have for aspiring writers in their quest to get published? I suppose that the, the simplest advice I would give is, is uh, the one that writers often don't necessarily want to hear, and that's perseverance. Um, you just got to keep going. You're not going to have, uh, or you rarely are you going to have uh, instant success, whatever that is. But you just got to keep keep going and keep writing. I mean, I remember uh, a few years ago uh, being at a Cork Short Story Festival, um, which is a wonderful festival, normally held around this time of year. Uh, obviously not this year, but uh, normally is, and it's organised by the Munster Literature Centre, who do a wonderful job in in sort of raising awareness of writing in the the Cork and Munster area. But I remember being at the festival and listening to a, a particular writer there, an American writer, who's um, pretty successful, very well known. I think she was uh, uh, the she was uh, a fellow or, or something, some sort of writer in residence at the Literature Centre. And she was there reading her story. But before she read the story, she told, the, told us that the story had been submitted to 39 different publications uh, before it had been accepted. Now, this is a, a successful story writer. But what impressed me was the fact that she had just believed in that story enough to keep sending it out to, to knowing that the story was good enough uh, to find a home eventually. And I think too many of us give up after one or two rejections or one or two, um, you know, where and think that there's something wrong with us or with the story or the poem. Um, but I think to, to have that, that kind of perseverance and that belief in what you're doing is so important to an aspiring writer is to just keep plugging away because you know the, the breaks will happen they might not happen exactly when you expect them or necessarily when you want them but the breaks will happen if you just keep honing your craft reading developing writing new stuff improving improving um you know stories can always be improved as well you know you can always you know, look at ways of editing or rewriting or reshaping a story. Um, but at some point, you have to reach a point where you're finished with that story and you send it out and you keep sending it out and you believe in it. And I suppose for me, that, that, that's a really important lesson is, is to stand by your work and, and persevere. Definitely. So I guess write for yourself, write a little every day. What are you working on at the moment yourself? Yeah, I'm working on a, a new collection, Jordan. It's been a, a, a long time coming, but I've been doing a, other things. And um, I've been, you know, writing poems all the time. So I have quite a few to choose from. But I'm, I'm working on this new, new collection called uh, Smoke and Mirrors. Um, it's not going to be ready for a while yet, but I'm, it's slowly coming into shape. I'm also studying uh, for a, a PhD in creative writing and that collection 
question will form part of the process. So I'm really shaping it to make it as strong a collection as possible. And hopefully it'll be out sometime next year or the year after. But, um, you know, there's still a bit of work to be done. But uh, it, it's very enjoyable, um, you know, like sort of shutting yourself off and working into this this world of poetry or creative writing um like you say it's it's uh you know i think people are realizing the importance of creativity even more so at the moment um you know it's it's a means of escape it's a means of uh, exploration uh, and it's such a positive thing to do at, at a time when not everything is positive out there well, that's a really exciting to hear, Matthew. Best wishes with with all of that. Just moving away from writing slightly, you obviously like to, to keep fit. Running is a, a big passion of yours. Have you done marathons and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. I've done, uh, I think, 11 or 12 marathons. Mm. And I've also done a couple of ultra marathons. Um, so I did an, a 39 miler up in uh, Connemara a few, few years back. Um, which, as you can imagine, was pretty tough. But um, And then I did this um, race called the Art O'Neill Challenge, uh, which retraces the steps of Art O'Neill, who escaped from Dublin Castle back in the 17th century. And he uh, escaped in the middle of the night in January and made his way across the hills uh, to Wicklow, and so the race retraces it. So it starts at one o'clock in the morning in January from Dublin Castle. Uh, so I did that a few years ago and that was quite an experience. I mean, there was snow on the ground and everything. It was freezing cold and we were heading into the Wicklow Hills and then the mist came down and it was, it was, quite, a, it was quite an experience, but I got through it okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I love, to, love to run. I, I, I mean, I haven't, done anything like that for a couple of years now um but i run every day i haven't missed a day for six years so i i, I keep fit and i keep healthy and just it just seems to suit me i find running to me it's, it's a bit like food now at this stage it's kind of a, a daily essential so um i i'm hoping to do the court marathon again next year if assuming it all goes ahead so so, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm training for at the moment, slowly. Uh, that's re really good to hear. And it's good for the soul, I think, uh, running. I like to head out for a jog most days as well. It's, it's really good for the head, as they say. Particularly since lockdown, Matthew, are there books, podcasts, series you've been enjoying that you'd recommend? I suppose I've been returning to nature books, actually, funnily enough. Um, whether it's to do with lockdown, I don't know. But I think a lot of people... Um, in in the last few months have rediscovered their local area uh you know like certainly having the 2k lockdown and then the 5k lockdown meant that we all were walking a lot more uh within our within the confines of where we lived and um so you know as as you say i'm very lucky to live down in kinsale so i've had plenty of great walks to to uh um, to go on uh, but I've become particularly interested in uh, woodland walking and there's a, a woodland n not too far away that I, I go to regularly and so I found I've been reading a little bit more about um, woodlands and nature uh, you know there's, there's uh, a book called Wildwood by, by Roger Deakin which 
is about woodland. Uh, and I've just finished a book called The Old Ways by Robert McFarlane. Um, again, it's about walking in nature and experiencing different kinds of landscape. So I'd highly recommend those. Now, not, not, none, of, none of the books I've been reading are particularly new. Um, so, uh, but uh, yeah, as I say, I think for me, um, my experience of the lockdown has been this kind of reawakening of a love of the outdoors and, you know, sort of woodland, forest land, walking, getting out and about, really. I mean, obviously, I run as well. But, you know, when running is a very different experience. It's much more in it, to do with yourself and your and your thoughts and your keeping going and your running. Whereas walking, I think you're much more aware of the environment. You know, you're much more aware of the, the trees and the woodland and the, the, the flowers and the fungi and all the things that you, you see around. So, so yeah, that, that's been what I've been reading mostly lately has been kind of like nature, nature. And of course, you know, it's so important nowadays as we hear more and more about, you know, the climate and uh, the importance of uh, looking, looking after the ecosystem, etc. So it's becoming more and more um, an issue for all of us, I think. What is it that motivates you, Matthew? I suppose it's that idea that uh, there's always a better poem to be written. You know, you never quite reach, write the perfect poem. So for me, in terms of writing, um, you know, it's that striving to, to write a better poem. I mean, I think it was Samuel Beckett said that poems aren't finished, they're abandoned. Um, and, and there's a certain amount of truth in that. You reach a point with a poem where you can't take it any further and you have to let it go. And then comes the impetus then to, to write the next one, to, make, to, to explore another angle or another idea and to try and make the next one better. So, so that's really where my motivation comes from, I think. that There's always something new, something that I haven't said or want to say or I have been thinking about, you know. You're involved in the uh, Kinsale Writing School as well. At the moment, going forward, are, are all lessons very much online? Is that the case? Yeah, unfortunately, Jordan, yeah. I mean, I, I lo- don't get me wrong. I, I've been enjoying the, the online teaching, but, you know, you, you do miss something, really, um, from a classroom. I, I really like that kind of interaction that you get in a classroom that isn't really repeatable uh, online. Um, it doesn't quite work online. I mean, it, online's great. You do. Have, we've had some fantastic workshops and classes online. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping that um, you know, as t- as we go forward, that there'll be a little bit more, a uh, little bit of a return to to the actual classroom. Um, you know, I wanted to do some workshops outdoors as well, which is something I'm working on and may happen at some point. But I also teach on the MA creative writing course at UCC, and we are hoping there to have class, actual physical classes. Um, I think we'll be limited to less than 10, but that's okay, you know, we can, we, we can manage that. We'd just be nice to, to also have that classroom experience, you know. I think it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's a different way of experiencing the um, writing really and teaching. Having lived here for 30 years now and counting, what is it you love most about Leaside? Oh, I just think the people really. I mean, it's very simple, you know, people are so friendly and, 
you know, it, it, for me, coming from England where people are much more reserved, um, it's been really good for me to, to be part of that experience. Working in a shop uh, is a wonderful way, for instance, of getting to know the local community. Um, you know, you know. While I was working in Kinsale Bookshop, everybody knew me, and I knew so many people. And just the friendliness and goodwill out there um, was one was really amazing. And I, I do think, you know, in around in Cork and around Cork, just there's so many great characters, and people love to chat and tell a story and have a bit of a gossip and. Uh, you know, that, that, that's the thing I most enjoy. Listen, Matthew, thanks a million for your time today. I really enjoyed the chat and we'll catch up soon. Yeah, thanks so much, Jordan. Good to talk to you.